Next week, uh, our new series called Church Hurt kicks off. I'm really excited about this one because every one of us, including myself, have, have experienced church hurt, right? And so next week, I'm going to talk to you about the first church hurt ever and how somebody overcame that. And so this series, the reason we're doing this is not only to help you because we love you and want to pastor you, but you have people, we have friends who've been hurt by the church. This is the perfect series to get them to come. I'm even, even doing a message called When Leaders Hurt the Church, right? And I, I'm a leader. And so I'm really excited about that. And so, man, over the next uh, several weeks with fall kickoff ensuing, I am pumped. And next week, you'll get to find out who this guy is uh, that was being talked about. So you've got to make sure you're here next week. Well, today I want to speak to you about something really dear to my heart uh, that has shaped my life in a major way. And if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Judges 11 this morning. Judges 11. Uh, when I grew up, we didn't have text messages. We didn't have, you know, cell phones or anything like that, right? We had no social media. And so the communication methods were either like we had the rotary phones and the, the punch phone, they have dial phones. But when we were at school, our method of communication were notes. Did anybody grow up with that, right? You're passing notes back and forth. It wasn't like texting back and forth. And one of the ways that you would like, you know, approach a, a girl to ask her if she wanted to go with you, which now you're like, go with you where? Like, where are we going, right? But that was the thing. Will you go with me? Did anybody ever use that? And I'm the only one who used that terminology. Okay, I see that hand. Amen. I see some honesty in the church today. Amen. See that hand? Well, I'll never forget when I first did that. And I, uh, I had my friend give a note to a girl. Actually, it was her friend. And go there. And it had yes, no, or maybe. <laughs> like, so she put maybe. is like, so you're saying there's a chance, right? And so at any rate, um, I sent the note, and I got a maybe. Now, here's what had to happen next. I then got back with her friend, because you didn't go straight to the girl and talk to her. And I, and I was like, okay, so, like, I'm going to call tonight, you know, and, just, and see what she says. And I called, and her friend was there, and she said, actually, she said, no, she doesn't want to go with you. And that was one of the first times I ever felt rejection. And throughout my, you know, growing up, what happened to me so many times is I didn't really have, my wife was really my first real girlfriend. Um, yeah, I had prom dates I went to prom with once I lost a lot of weight and things like that. I actually got accepted to, to go to the prom, but I never had like a girlfriend. I always got rejected. My friends always had girlfriends. Um, and I faced a lot of rejection growing up. And that really shaped me. And I didn't realize how much anger and bitterness was like deep inside of me because of the rejections that I had faced. And throughout my years following Jesus, um, I've learned so many things about rejection uh, in my own life, but I've also learned how rejection can help you if you respond properly. And today we're going to look at a guy named Jephthah in the Bible who was rejected. Now he was a judge uh, there. And there were around 12 major judges in Israel. And this is before they had a king. So they've now settled the land. Joshua got them into the land. Joshua's gone. And God didn't raise up that next one leader, right? You had Moses, you had Joshua, and then he raised up judges. Now, the judges were not like Judge Wapner, uh, Wapner or Judge Judy, uh, uh, Judge Judy or Judge Joe Brown. You know, they weren't sitting there, you know, handling cases all day. These judges were like super leaders. They were like Rambos, right? If you can imagine that. It's male and female. Uh, God had leading Israel. So different seasons, these judges would raise up over different areas, and they would fight the enemies of Israel. The part of the, the greatest judge, remember, is Samson, right? He had that bad relationship with Delilah and the whole hair thing. You guys probably remember that. Uh, and so God raised up judges. And one of the judges that's probably never talked about is Jephthah. 
And what you're going to find out about Jephthah is you're going to find out how he properly had to handle rejection. And what we're going to learn from Jephthah is how we can also handle rejection properly so God can use us. Look at Judges chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now Jephthah of Gilead was a great warrior. That's something good about him. But watch this. He was the son of Gilead, but his mother was a prostitute. He had some things in his life he couldn't control. He was born into something he couldn't control. And it says in verse 2, Gilead's wife also had several sons. And when these half-brothers grew up, they chased Jephthah off the land. You will not get any of our father's inheritance, they said, for you are, not the, for you are the son of a prostitute. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. Soon he had a band of worthless rebels following him. Now this is where the story takes a turn, and watch what happens next. About this time, the Ammonites, who were against Israel, began their war against Israel. When the Ammonites attacked, the elders of Gilead sent for Jephthah in the land of Tob. The elders said, come and be our commander. Help us fight the Ammonites. But Jephthah said to them, aren't you the ones who hated me and drove me from my father's house. Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? Because we need you, the elders replied. If you lead us in the battle against the Ammonites, we will make you ruler over all the people of Gilead. So Jephthah said to the elders, let me get this straight. If I come with you and if the Lord gives me victory over the Ammonites, you will really make me ruler over all the people? They said, the Lord is our witness, the elders replied. We will promise to do whatever you say. And at that point, many of us were like, you know what? Go fight your own battle. Right? Could you imagine the person who's hurt you so deeply? The one, as I said a few weeks ago, you have imaginary conversations with and you're, you're talking to, that they now come and they need your help to survive? Many of us would be like, now's my chance to get revenge. And so many times rejection does that in our hearts with them. We won't revenge on those who hurt us the most. But Jephthah didn't do that. Jephthah responded differently. However, most of us, including myself, we don't respond differently to rejection. And can I say this? Today, the, this message isn't going to make rejection hurt any less. It's going to help you understand how God can use it more, though. But what I want you to understand about rejection, write this down because this is the key to rejection is this. Rejection can cause an infection. Rejection can cause an infection. Do you know that if you get a cut or a wound, if it's not healed properly, what can happen to it is it can get infected. I actually had a, a good friend die because of an infection. He fell down some stairs, he got hurt, and he had an infection. And the guy's just a little older than I am, not much. And I, I'm only 22 years old, so he's not very old at all, right? And he died of an infection. And that's what rejection does to us. When we have something that hurts us and wounds us, and we feel like somebody has rejected us and they don't want us, we're not good enough, if we don't allow that to heal properly, it becomes an infection inside of us and it will begin to destroy things that God's trying to do in our lives. And what I want to do today is help you to understand how do you deal with rejection so it doesn't become an infection in your life. But you have to understand there's three types of rejections that you're going to face. The first type is called perceived rejection. Perceived rejection. Now, that's when you think, right, that everybody's out to get you. That maybe you have some paranoia that the way they looked at you, they don't really like you. And there's nothing to do with you. Maybe they're just constipated. 
That's why they're like, right? I'm serious. Like, I, there's people all that. Well, well, you know, I, there, there's been people in church. Well, so and so didn't talk to me today. Did you know that their family members dying of cancer and they're really depressed? Has nothing to do with you. But sometimes we, and including myself, I say we, like, like we just perceive that we're being rejected, and it's not real rejection. Can I, can I be honest with you? Is that most people don't have enough time on their hands to master plan a plot against you and conspire against you. We're all very busy, and what else I know about human beings is that we're also not that strategic. So sometimes we think we're being rejected, and it's just a mirage. We're not really being rejected. We need somebody to speak truth to us and help us understand that nobody's rejecting you, right? The second type that you'll face is self-inflicted rejection, where you begin to sabotage situations in your life, usually because of perceived rejection. And it snowballs. You, you think you're being rejected, so you go ahead and just sabotage relationships. You sabotage the environment, and you end up going again from cycle to cycle, church to church, job to job, uh, you know, marriage to marriage, and, you, and you're always feeling like friends to friends. You never have close friends. You feel like you're being rejected, and it's self-inflicted. Uh, sometimes it's self-inflicted because we're just jerks, too. Like, nobody likes, likes me. Be nicer. That's what my wife tells me. So you have self-inflicted rejection. But what I want to talk to you about today is called real rejection. That's when you really are rejected. That's when you call the girl and she says, no, I don't want to go with you. Like what happened to me. That's when you get cut from the team. That's when the job doesn't want you. You get fired. You get the pink slip. You get your spouse from a, you know, many years come to you and say, I no longer want to be with you anymore. I'm leaving you. And you feel the blunt of rejection in your life. And it hurts. But can I tell you, that's one thing you're going to face and I'm going to face in our life. We're going to face rejection. There's no way around it. And what I want to do is help you understand that when you face rejection, how do you deal with it and let God process it in a way where he can use you in your life? Because the key is this, like our response to rejection will determine to what degree the Lord can use us. This is why this is important. If you don't respond to rejection properly, then the Lord cannot use you greatly. And what you see with Jephthah is this. Jephthah got sent to the land of Tob. And what you have to understand about Tob is that word is, uh, you know, uh, translated good. Now you say, what's good about Tob? He had to leave his family and go down to a band of worthless men, and that became his team. There's another guy named David the same thing happened to. King David was betrayed by his own son, Absalom. He was betrayed by Saul, a king who he served rejected many times, and he ended up on the run with worthless men. And Jephthah finds himself in a very similar scenario. Now, now this band of worthless men doesn't mean that they were robbers or thieves or things like that. They were just people who were also rejected. Nobody else wanted them either. And so God sends Jephthah down there. And you have to understand this. I don't know what happened down there, but whatever Jephthah did down in the land of Tob developed him to the place where Israel heard about him. They said, we got to go find Jephthah. I mean, think about it. In the whole nation of Israel, they had no one else who could lead them. And so they go down to Tob, a guy they kicked out of their country, they got rid of to go find him. And so his response to rejection was, he went down to Tob, he found people who needed leadership, who needed a friend, and he went to work with them, and he did what he needed to do. He was developed. 
And you have to understand that there's many times that God will shut doors and close doors and not give you opportunities and not give me opportunities because he's trying to get you to a place where you can be developed. Is it where you wanted to go? No. Is it where you planned to go? No. Was it in your five-year or ten-year plan? Probably not. But God will allow rejection to send us to places like Tob, the land of good, to develop us and shape us. And that's what happened to Jephthah. And then they went down trying to find him, saying, hey, now we need you. See, we all love mountaintops. We love to feel good. We love when church services go good and life's going good. But can I tell you, it's in the valley where God processes us. It's in the valley where the Lord cultivates our hearts, and we really begin to learn who we really are and grow in those situations. And that's what happened to him. See, rejection is something that even Jesus faced. So it says in John 1, uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 10, it says this here. The Apostle John writes that he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. Could you imagine that? Coming to the world he created. Number one, they, did, they didn't know him. They didn't recognize him. Number two, it says this. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. That Jesus came to the people and the world he created and was utterly rejected. So one thing I love about Christianity is this. We have a Savior who when you're rejected, when the door closes, when people do you wrong, when they betray you, when they hurt you, we have a Savior who can look at you and say, I know exactly how you feel. I went through the same thing. I had doors shut on me. I had people betray me. I had people lie about me. I had people accuse me, and I was nailed to a cross. And I don't think any of us have been nailed to a cross recently, have we? So he has experienced it to the nth degree. And I want to encourage you that it's our response to rejection that will determine how deeply the Lord can use you. And so I want you to to write this down because this is very important because here's what we have to do. When rejection happens to you, choose to redirect when people reject. Say it one more time. Choose to redirect when people reject. And what does that mean, Kevin? Number one, what Jesus did, he didn't sulk. He didn't go into a corner and cry. He put his focus on the cross to redeem the very people who rejected him. He chose to, chose to redirect his focus from being rejected, from coming down and saying, man, this is amazing I'm the one who created all this. Isn't this awesome? And instead of him being angry or mad or passive-aggressive, you know what he did? He focused on loving the people and saving the very people who nailed him to the cross. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. He chose to redirect when people rejected him. And you and I have to do the same. You and I have to understand when rejection happens, there's a bigger plan at place right? There's something greater happening. We usually say it's favor when God opened doors, right? I got favor for this because God's opened doors. But rarely do we say it's God's favor when doors are shut. Rarely do we say it's God's favor whenever things don't go our way, right? And can I tell you, it's just as much God when the door's shut as when the door's open. Jesus says this, amen. In Revelation, he says, I hold the keys. He says, I'll open doors no man can open, and I'll shut doors no man can shut. And that's true for my life, and it's true for your life. And this happened to me. This is how I ended up in Richmond, Virginia. Like, we're, we're going to celebrate 10 years next month. We're going to have a big birthday bash. Um, We've got an amazing, you're going to love this video we put together, right, of all God has done over 10 years. 
But I remember being down in Florida. God had called me out of there. Didn't know where I was going to go, what I was going to do. I applied to all these churches, and everybody said no to me. I felt like the kid again, writing down the little letter and giving it to them, and it just, everybody's, nope, nope, nope. And I felt like I wasn't good enough, like doors weren't, weren't opening. And then I find, finally get a door that's open when there's 20 people left, and they may not have about six months to make it financially. <laughs> hey, God, God, thank you. Yeah, I was hoping for, I could walk into something like this. Let's find a church with staff, and they can pay me, and it'd be great, right? This would be awesome. And this, that's the only door that God opened. But I had to choose to redirect when people rejected, because it was, listen, they were, they were just doing God's will. When they told me no, they weren't rejecting me. They were just performing God's will, because God wanted me here. And many times, you have to understand, when people reject you, they're just performing God's will. What happened to Jephthah was they were performing God's will because what happened down in Tob, I'm not sure if it could have happened in Israel because he learned leadership in Tob that he probably wouldn't have learned if he had it comfortable in Israel under the house of Gilead. And so whenever you're rejected, choose to redirect your focus, redirect your energy, redirect your perspective. I mean, understand this about God is that nothing occurs to God. God's not operating in time like us. He's not going through your day saying, whew, I didn't see that coming. I tell you what, let me get with the Holy Spirit and Jesus, and we're going to figure something out. I'll get back with you, but man, this is crazy. Like, like, like God's eternal. God's not, you know, constrained by time. But many times we think that God's constrained by time. He's not sure what's going on, and we didn't get the job or got fired and not sure. And if you're a follower of Jesus— let me encourage you in this. Proverbs says that a good man or woman's steps are ordered by the Lord. That means your steps are ordered. God's got a plan in place for you. It may not be the plan that, that, uh, that you chose. You may have never wanted to go to Tob, but it's in Tob where God can use you. So when people reject, you've got to choose to redirect your feelings, your focus, your perspective, and know that you're in the hands of a loving Father, but here are two temptations that you're going to have to fight when you're rejected if you never get to that place. Two temptations. The first one is this. You'll try to deflect the pain. Rejection hurts. This message is not to downplay it. It's not toxic you know, positivity. Um, the sovereignty of God, the goodness of the Lord doesn't make it hurt any less. But many times what we'll do is say, oh, number one, I'm not hurt. I'm fine. You got a big gaping wound, dude. You're bleeding out. I'm good. Yeah, just a paper cut. It's just merely a flesh wound, right? Like, <laughs> when you know you're hurting, and you know you need help, and you know you need healing. The other way that we deflect pain is not saying it doesn't exist, but it's then blaming and putting it on, projecting it on others. We put all our anger into people who rejected us. Jesus didn't do that, and he had every right on that cross to be so angry at these people he's been so good to that he created this beautiful earth for that rejected him. But he didn't deflect that. And many times that's what we do. We put it on other people. We blame other people instead of absorbing and realizing and saying, God, process this in me. The most dangerous temptation you're going to have is this. It's called eject from purpose. When people reject, you have the temptation to eject from purpose. 
Because when things don't go your way, when people, you know, maybe hurt you or things go wrong, the temptation is to just quit. That's fine. I'll take my toys and I'll go home. I'm done. And this is true if you're serving in a church or in ministry or doing anything worthwhile, you'll have that feeling that you want to just to eject from purpose. One of the things I never prepared for, you know, pastoral ministry was rejection in ministry, that I'd be, I'd be reliving middle school over again and again. So my first, I'd say, probably five years of pastoral ministry, I responded poorly to rejection. This is why I can preach this message. Personally, I responded poorly. And I got to a point, I'll never forget, in 2014 or 15, I was just looking for other jobs to go to. I was like, you know what? That's fine. That's fine. You, you want to leave and do this to me? I'll go find a job, make more money. I'll just, and you know how selfish that was? Because I hadn't healed yet from rejection. Anytime my wife criticized me, it was that little note once again in middle school, and I felt, felt like she was rejecting me. Oh, yeah, you want to do that? Fine, I'll just leave then. I don't care. You don't think I'm good enough? And we have that temptation. Um, I, I can tell you that whenever, if you want to know if you're in spiritual warfare, if you really want to know, it's not, you know, or things on your wall shaking at night and going crazy. That's very the rare exception. It's when you want to quit from the thing that God has called you to do. Anytime quit comes in, the enemy wants you to quit and stop fighting. Just stop fighting. Stop getting on the front lines. Shrink back. Find every excuse to. And so whenever you're rejected, you're going to find the temptation to just eject from purpose and say, forget y'all. Forget you. you know, if you're going to do this to me, you do you. I'm doing my own thing. And we have to understand that we have to fight the temptation to deflect or eject. But here's what we have to do. I want to encourage you, as I said before, redirect to effect. That's what, that's what Jephthah did. He redirected his focus. He redirected his, his feelings. And said, you know what? I'll come fight for you. I'll come do this. Jephthah's name even means release. If you're going to do this, sometimes it takes forgiveness to just release people who've hurt you to say verbally, to bring them up. As I've said before, when you have imaginary conversations with them, you start having that conversation. And again, in those conversations, you're really sharp and you have all the comebacks, right? And you're saying things. You have to stop and say, God, I, I just released that person. They're living rent-free in my mind. I'm redirecting my focus. I'm redirecting my feelings. And I know, God, that you are sovereign. And even though you didn't cause this to happen, you're going to cause it to work together for the good of those who are called according to your purpose. John the Baptist, his followers left him to go follow Jesus. He baptized Jesus. He's the one who announced that he's Messiah, the first one ever to do that. And as people, I mean, again, probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible, as people, his people, his disciples come to him, they said, our guys are, are leaving and going to Jesus, and now they're baptizing on the other side of the river. And John could have said, man, all I did for those guys they were nothing for they met me. He could have just been puffed up and all like that. But he says something so profound. He says this, a man can have nothing unless heaven gives it to him. He was saying God is sovereign. And if God is sending these people to Jesus, that's God's plan. He chose to redirect his focus, redirect his feelings, so God could use him to be the one to prepare the way for Jesus. And I don't know what you have faced in your past with rejection. 
I don't know what your story is. I don't know what you're going through right now. Maybe you're facing rejection. Maybe you feel like Jephthah where somebody has pushed you down to the land of Tob and said, hey man, I don't want you. You're not good enough for me. Can I tell you this? People may, people may choose to reject you. God's going to use this for his purpose in your life. That job may have not wanted you, but I can tell you one day you'll want to go back and shake their hand for firing you and not hiring you. I can say that because I'm standing, standing right here today. I get to do everything God's called me to do because God sent me here because nobody else wanted me. I get to pastor the greatest church in the history of churches. And yes, you guys are the greatest people ever. I just love y'all. And, and I truly say that because if I would have got what I wanted, there's no telling what my life would look like today. Be encouraged today, guys. God is sovereign. God has a plan for you. And just because somebody said no on that little letter to you, that little note, just because you feel like you've been rejected, God is in control of that situation and God is redirecting you in your life when people reject you. And he may be pushing you to a land of goodness you never would have chosen if it wasn't for the rejection of people. Amen? Let's pray this morning. Father, I pray for healing of our souls, Lord. Many of us, um, Lord, face today some obstacles. I don't know what people are going through, but you brought them here or they're watching online for a reason because, Lord, rejection has taken a toll in their life. I pray right now, Lord, we could just zoom out to 30,000 foot, Lord, uh, feet, uh, Lord God, uh, uh, above like Google Earth, and we could look at the greater plan that you have and I pray that right now for everyone who's going through that situation. I also ask for those who have faced rejection in their past, bring healing, Lord. The balm of Gilead for the wounded soul, Lord. We pray for that. And God, we thank you today corporately. We thank you that you're a good father. And we thank you, Lord, that you are not held hostage to the whims and decisions of people, Lord. For you are a sovereign king. And you have a sovereign plan that we can trust, Lord, no matter what happens to us. I pray for faith to be increased, Lord God, in every person in here who's facing something right now. And as we pray today, church, in this mode of prayer, maybe your step is coming to Jesus and giving your life to Jesus and entering into that sovereign plan that God has for you. You may have walked away from your faith and maybe you were hurt by church or maybe you were hurt by people. Maybe you experienced a bad version of Christianity. Today is your day to come back to faith in Christ because Jesus never hurt you. Or maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe, maybe you come to church with someone and you hang out with them, but you've never crossed that line to say, I'm, I'm going to surrender and serve the Lord. Today is your day. No matter who you are, right where you're sitting, whether you're in here physically or online, this is your day. I want you to pray this prayer with me, and it's this right here. You say, God... I admit that I need the Savior. I need Jesus. Today, I make Jesus my Lord. I believe He died on the cross. I believe He rose again on the third day. And I believe He is Lord. So today, I repent and turn from my old life. And I receive brand new life. 
I receive full forgiveness of sins. I receive the Holy Spirit. Now, God, use me in whatever way you see fit. In Jesus' name I pray.